some of my most fond memories growing up in the church surround the, the times when missionaries would come. And one of, one of my heart's desires as pastor at Christ Fellowship is that our young people, our children and teenagers would have that same kind of experience, that they would remember the missionaries, they would be excited about the missionaries. More than that, that they and the rest of us would be excited about the nations. When you're excited about the nations, when you're excited about all the ethne, when you're excited about that, you, you get very excited about the glory of God. So I remember when missionaries would come, I'd be seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Into my teenage years, they would come from Ecuador. They would come from China. They would come from Poland. I remember my aunt worked for HCJB, Heralding Christ Jesus Blessings. And she brought back for me a shrunken head. I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I still think it's the coolest thing. And so those little things began to add up in my mind. And the gifts were just kind of off to the side. What really mattered to me as I grew older in the Christian faith was the nations, that God has his heart set on the nations. But here's a frustration that I began to experience as a, a teenager and as a young man, I would do my best to go out into the world and share the gospel. And I know you've experienced this. You get the big no thanks. Raise your hand if you've ever gotten the big no thanks. Yeah, it's just so frustrating. Then I turn to Acts chapter 28, and you've heard me cite this many times. It's so encouraging. Word of God says, therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Isn't that amazing? They will listen. And then at the end of Acts chapter 28, we learn about the, the missionary activity of the Apostle Paul. And I think this is a, a beautiful summary of his life and his missionary journeys. And it said that, he was proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's exactly what our special guests, Rich, Rich and Cindy Brown, have been doing for many, many years in Spain now. And uh, you have surpassed my tenure by many, many years. I've been here seven and a half years. And is it 25, Rich, that we have supported you at Christ Fellowship approximately at least 25 years. And so we have a, a very strong commitment to Rich and Cindy and are so excited that they're here. And uh, I'm so excited that, that you're able to share this morning. So would you give a warm Christ Fellowship welcome to Rich and Cindy Brown? Glad to be with you, uh, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but your church, someone here knows the, I don't know how, uh, I just remember your church started supporting us, must have been the late 80s sometime, uh, because we were sent out in 1990, and so it's been a few years, and we're very, very grateful to you people, I don't know all you, I know some of you, uh, some of the older ones, we just keep getting older. Uh, but we're very, very thankful uh, for Christ Fellowship uh, supporting us and praying for us and seeking to be an encouragement for us. 
uh, to us. You were an encouragement to us this morning. Uh, I'm just tracking right with you guys, man. You talk about the gospel. Ken gets up here, man. I was like, keep going, brother. I'll just, you know, I don't need to say much. And then pastor, I was talking to, or listening in the Sunday school hour. Excellent. Uh, talking about sin. Well, we need to talk about sin because we're redeemed sinners. But there's a whole lot of sinners out there that don't know anything about God. And so, and then the music was wonderful. And I don't say that just to praise you guys, but yeah, man, I am praising you. I'm a... Not very talented in music. And so I just love singing those songs. But anyway, we're very grateful to you guys for your involvement in our lives. And uh, lest I forget it before we read a passage of Scripture, I might just add, and maybe I'll add it later and when we look at some slides, but this is my wife, Cindy. And Cindy is a big part of our ministry. Actually, the, our, she likes to say it this way, ABWE, since our last child left home many years ago, she, they got two missionaries now. So for the price of one. So anyway, uh, she works very hard at uh, teaching English as a second language and discipling lots of ladies in the church. So she's very much a part of the ministry in Spain, and I'm very, very thankful for her. Uh, turn with you, me, if you will, in your Bibles to First Timothy chapter 1. You know, I don't have a lot to say. I'm a real simple guy. Uh, so I don't have a lot to say except what the Bible says. And so I always just want, like to read uh, a passage of Scripture. You know the context here. Paul's writing to Timothy, his beloved disciple. He calls him in verse, uh, uh, he calls him his son, my son in the faith. And then, but Paul, uh, yeah, right at the beginning in verse 2, my true child in the faith. And then Paul, as often, pastors and servants of God and missionaries, he launches into what he wants to talk about, Okay. And he begins to say, uh, verse 3 says, As I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus in order that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. Uh, heterodoxy. They weren't teaching orthodoxy. They were teaching heterodoxy. And anyway, he goes down through these. And these guys were, they, they wanted to pretend to be teachers of the law. But they didn't know what the law was given for. And then Paul says it very clearly. He says, uh, but we know, verse 8, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for those who are lawless and rebellious and for the ungodly and sinners and for the unholy and profane and for those who kill their fathers or mothers for murders. And he goes on talking about all these different groups. You see him in verse 10. And he says, and whatever else, at the conclusion of verse 10, and whatever else is, is contrary or against sound teaching, uh, healthy teaching, wholesome teaching, teaching that will build people up, edify them. Uh, according to, or con that is in conformity with, the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. And so I think upon saying those words to Timothy, now he switches and he, and I think that's how I feel about what we're doing in Spain. I... <laughs> I'm just so thankful to God for his mercy in my life. Uh, sometimes I, I'm thankful that I can be in a church like this with people like yourselves. I know you're not perfect. I know you're sinners like I am. You're redeemed sinners. You've been, the shed blood of Christ has been applied to your heart, and God has declared you righteous in his eyes. But that wasn't always true in my life, and I'd like to just briefly, before we look at these slides, and I'm already going too far. So I'm going to have to shorten this up. 
Let me read Paul, what Paul said. He launches in, he goes back to the gospel. He goes back to what God did in his life. I wouldn't be here if it were not God. I mean, like, duh. But that's just how it is in my life. I thank Christ Jesus, he says, our Lord who has strengthened me, verse 12, because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. I have no reason. I, have, I don't understand why God would have chosen me. I'm a kid from Nampa, Idaho. Uh, I was raised in a family. No one knew God. And I wasn't seeking God. I was, went through catechism and was confirmed, memorized some creeds. I was an acolyte when I was a boy in the Episcopalian church. But I didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't know him. And maybe some of you boys and one girl sitting there, maybe some of you don't yet know God personally. And I remember sitting and sometimes they would have, the Nazarenes were always after us back then. I didn't really listen to much of what they had to say to me about Christ. But it just went by my head. More than that, it was just ignorance. But Paul, as he, as he starts here, he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he's considered me faithful, putting me into service. And that's God's grace. And uh, let's keep reading. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, and, I, and yet I was shown mercy... Because I acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. And yet, for this reason, I found mercy in order that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. You're just saying that, church, the only God. There's only one. And pastor mentioned it in Sunday school in Isaiah 42 through 49. There's only one God. There, are, there is no other. Okay? The only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, I think it's interesting that Paul, at this point in his life, is still thank, thanking God. And I would ask you, are you grateful to God? For what he's doing in your life. Uh, I sure am. I'm grateful to God for his mercy and his grace in my life. And that those words are mentioned in here. And especially for the privilege of serving him. Uh, some of you younger ones here. Might think that being a missionary. Is like oh who would want to do that. And uh, now that would be something. Uh, you know, I'm not maybe you're not thinking that. But. I, would, I just want to encourage you. Paul, was, I'm not going to go back into all the places in the, in, in the New Testament, but Paul's life was rough. In fact, in Acts chapter 9, the minute he gets saved, I mean, Christ is dealing with him, and he says to Ananias, I will show him, he will see how much he must suffer for my cause. Okay? And if you read the rest of the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5, another place, you see all the things that happened to him. And yet he's still, he's still thanking God. And I wonder how, when you look at your life, would you say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a believer. Yeah, I know God. Or, but are you s- still thrilled that you're a Christian, that you're not separated from God, that you're not far off, like it says in Ephesians 3? You're separated from God. It's like as though no God is in your world. You, can you identify with these verses like in Psalm 73? When the psalmist, he's winding up the psalm and he says this, But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all thy works. 
And that's how I see my life like Paul. I'm just so thankful to God that I can be a part of, a little part, uh, in a place in the world that is sort of like around here. I mean, we have a Costco on the west side of Madrid now. I mean, it's a very modern place. People drive Peugeots and Renaults and Audis and my neighbors. They have Toyotas and they have, you know, they eat good food. I don't live in a place where they're dirt floors. Sometimes we wish, us missionaries in Western Europe, we would be able to, we'd be willing to maybe trade off a little bit of hardness physically so that more people would come to know Christ. But that so far hasn't happened. And so it's a very comfortable place to live. But he was grateful. Paul was grateful for the work of Christ in his life. And uh, he was ignorant. Believe it or not, Paul, the professor, Paul, the very educated man. I mean, man, he was a catedratico de catedraticos. He was a professor of professors. And he says in verse 13, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent aggressor, and yet I was sown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And that was sort of my case. I wasn't saved until I was 20 years old. I was at the Idaho State University. My life had sort of started to unravel in some ways. Uh, probably the biggest unraveling was they said, we don't want you to play basketball for us any longer. And I'd been relegated to the meat squad, okay? I all played a lot of basketball, and I liked it. And I was quick and stuff, but I wasn't big enough and strong enough. And somebody told me that. You know, you can be the meat squad if you want to hang around. And so that was sort of discouraging to me at that point in my life and several other things. And I I didn't know God. I was just ignorant of God. In fact, the day that I got saved, somebody said to me, well, are you saved? And I said, from what? What are you talking about? I was so far away from God. And in his mercy, God revealed to me that day that I deserved to go to hell. I remember I lived by a busy road there, went in front of my apartment. And I remember I thought, man, why? I would go to hell. And the reason that happened was I began to cross-examine some of these verses that this guy was telling. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And other verses like Ephesians 2.8 and 9 and other verses. And I started looking at those. The night before, I was smoking dope and drinking beer, lots of it. And that day... God, in his great mercy, instead of giving, pouring out his wrath on my wretched life, <laughs> he gave me grace, unmerited favor. He gave me something I didn't deserve. He gave me the righteousness of, the, of Christ. And the way it worked out was I, finally, I was reading this book, The Late Great Planet Earth, and finally I pulled out a Bible, and I began to cross-examine those verses that I just, some of them I just mentioned to you and others, because I, I thought, I've never heard this stuff before. I was ignorant. I never... And as I did that, God the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit began to convince me, convict me, open up my heart to suddenly understand, hey, they're talking about you, dum-dum. You know, that had never happened in my life. And so I kept looking at those verses and I kept reading them out of my, uh, I had a Bible that my grandma gave us when we were baptized as babies. And I always kept it with me in a footlocker. I never looked at it. But that day I did. And that's, I, I'm just so grateful to God as I stand here before you. I'm a simple missionary. I'm a missionary in Spain for many years. By the grace of God, we continue to serve him there. 
But God opened up my heart. I think I was actually regenerated. God quickened my spirit before I said any sinner's prayer. Because what I was thinking in my mind was, man, that's true. Yeah, I see it now. Because I remember as a kid when the father would lift up the ostia, the the wafer, and he would say in the Episcopalian church, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And I didn't know that was John one twenty nine. I didn't know anything. I was lost. I was ignorant. And I remember thinking that sometimes as a kid. What's that all about? I didn't get it. And so God put faith in my heart. Like he says here, I acted ignorantly in unbelief because I didn't have a believing heart. I didn't have, like he's just saying about, a new heart. I wasn't a new creature in Christ. I was still separated from God. And so God... In his great grace, like it says in verse 14, and the grace of the Lord was more than abundant. He saved me at that point. Recently, I was working with a man, and I want to encourage you as you witness this to people, and I need to get this done because I like to talk. Uh, A guy named Antonio. You know, there's people around you in your community that maybe you don't hit it off with so well. I had a guy like that who recently I started helping him with English. He's working for Samsung. He's working with Koreans, and so he needs to speak better English. And so, you know, my first reaction was, well, I don't really like Antonio too much. I know him. I know about him. And he had done something in the past, and so I didn't really care about him too much. And so one day I met him on the street. Hey, Antonio, how are you doing? You know, I'm a, you're a missionary. I'm your ambassador to Christ in Spain, but I am a redeemed sinner. So sometimes I'm prideful, okay, just like you are. And I repent of that, and I say, God, help me. Fill me with your spirit. I don't want to be like that. And so this day, I I, I, okay, go say hi to Antonio. Okay, so I'm talking to him. Anyway, long story short, start meeting with Antonio to help him with English. After about three or four sessions, one day Antonio says to me, let's just talk about the Bible. And I'm like, because I mentioned, you know, I mentioned the guy's verses, you know, because it's the truth. And I'd said a few things with him. He has some problems with his older brother. Anyway, but in the, in the course of that, Antonio says to me, all I've ever done during my life, lo único que he hecho en mi vida es toco la, la bandurria en mi parroquia. All I do is play the little banjo in my, in my little uh, church I attend down here in San Isidro. And he says, I don't have any content to my Christianity. Would you help me? Ignorance, lost, doesn't understand. And so, anyway, I started helping him, and he's one of the guys. But I, I identify with people like that because that was how I was. I just didn't get it. I wasn't searching after God or anything. Uh, but God does save sinners, and I want to encourage you as a church family to reach out to those sinners. I know some of you are doing that. I can just tell by some of the things you're saying, like Ken's testimony. That's right on, man. That was convicting to me. I said, you need to be more like that, Rich. But he finishes this. I've got to go on to other things. Yet for this reason, I found mercy. God did not pour out his wrath on me. He treated me with great kindness. In order that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example of those who would believe in him for eternal life. God continues to save and rescue people. And give them eternal life. Another guy that comes to my mind immediately is Juan Navarrete. And Juan is a simple guy from Vallecas. And uh, God in his great mercy has saved him. 
One has all sorts of stories he can tell you about his former life. Uh, but identify with him when I think about this because he's still pinching himself. He'll still come on Sundays and he'll say, I can't believe it. I can't believe that I'm here. I shouldn't be here, Ricardo. People like me shouldn't be here. And now he's one of the brothers. He's, he's a child of God. He belongs to God. God's regenerated his heart. He knows the Lord. And Juan is growing in his faith. And Juan is my great example. That's why I mentioned him in verse 16 is because he's the example. And everybody else in the church, they know what they'll say to, when they come to me and they're complaining about something or they don't think they can memorize the verse or they can't do this or they can't do that. I'll say, you don't have any excuse. Look at Juan. Juan can do it. Any of you guys can do it. You have no excuse. And so, uh, you know, as I think of this point of our ministry, we're trying to run as faithfully as we can. As I'll mention in a few minutes, we're handing off the baton now to a Spanish worker. But all this to say, God does save people. He wants to continue saving people here in Everson. He wants to save people in Spain, in Alcalá de Henares, where we work also. But everything goes to him, like you just sang. It's, it's him. It's all about him. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, the great God, the great king. What a privilege it is to follow in his wake. That's how I see myself because I'm not much. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Can we turn on the slide tape presentation, please? Oh, there I am. Okay, Rich and Sidney Brown, next. Okay, there we are, smack dab in the Iberian Peninsula. That's where we serve the Lord. Uh, if any of you know much about uh, that part of the world, it's very modern. You'll see France up there to the northeast, Portugal to the west. Uh, down south, uh, you have Morocco and Algeria. Uh, many times, and historically, you'll hear some Spaniards say anything from Madrid south is North Africa. That's not true, uh, but... That's just sort of a joke amongst us Spaniards. Anyway, next. Okay, the Spanish flag, it says plus ultra, because you'll remember when you think of Spain, Spaniards are not Mexicans. Is there a, I don't want to offend anyone here, but they're, they're Europeans. They speak Castellano. They don't speak like Mexicans speak, okay? And it's not a problem. I don't think one way of speaking Spanish is superior to another, but... They are a very modern country, and at one time back in their, what they call the golden century, uh, back in the 1500s, plus ultra meant to the regions beyond. There's no limits to our kingdom, okay? Very proud people uh, in the 15th century under uh, Phil, uh, Charles I and Philip II. And next, okay, and you see here some about us. We're church planners. What we do is evangelism and discipleship. We're not there to... That's what we do. That's what we're about. We believe that our main goal is to preach the gospel, is to tell people about Christ, is to pray for people so they'll come to know Christ, help them come to know him personally, to become new creatures in Christ, and then to help them get incorporated into the local church and become disciples of Christ, uh, growing in their faith. Okay, so that's what we're all about and our mission. We believe in evangelism and discipleship, planting churches throughout the, the world, uh, now you'll see some of the statistics there. We live in a city about 30 kilometers east of Madrid. And now there's about 35 or 45 people attending there. And uh, we are in a leadership transition process. And that's probably the most important thing to be praying about 
you have a sheet before you. Pray for us as we hand off the baton. The baton. Yeah. I get mixed up. I want to say it in Spanish. Anyway, we hand it off to uh, Miguel Angel, who is a, a really good guy, and hopefully he will serve the Lord faithfully. Next. Uh, here's some news about our family. You know, we come from, we have children. We have four children. Next. Uh, there's our kids. And uh, there we are in 2018. As you'll notice in that picture, uh, we have three daughters and one son, but there's one husband missing, and that's because... Uh, we had a real tragedy in our family here recently. This last term has had a lot of bad things. Had, you know, a lot of challenging things, I should say. And uh, her husband is no longer with her. Next. Uh, we have grandchildren. That's a better, a better thing, I would say. Something I like to think about. This is Rebecca with Cindy, and now we have Joanna. Uh, next. Uh, Benjamin is the oldest grandson. Next. Uh, my mother recently passed away. Uh, we, were, we came to the States on June, July 10th, and then uh, my mom has been dying slowly but surely for the last several years, and she finally passed away. And so, you know, that's one thing that Christ helps you in life. You know, neither of my parents ever publicly professed Christ. I preached to my dad for years, and I mean, I got in his face. And one of my favorite expressions were sort of, as I used to say to my dad, Dad, he's going to crush you like a bug, man. If you don't repent of your sins and turn to him today, you're not going to buffalo God. You're not that big and you're not that strong and you're not that smart. And I would always sit, I would always tell my dad, but I love you and I respect you as my dad, but I'm just going to put it like it is, Dad. But I, anyway, neither of my parents ever professed openly Christ. Uh, And yet in Christ, because I'm so thankful for the salvation that I have, I I can still search for some some redeeming factor. And so I would say of my mother, and she was a good mom, man. All my baseball games, everything I ever did, she she was there and she she helped me. And uh, I'm very thankful for, for her and my father. They heard the gospel lots from the time I got saved, from 1977 on. But I don't know if they ever, I don't know about that. Next. Oh, our family, we still have fun, even though we've been through some difficult experiences, this group of people here in the last few years. We still have fun, and so we're thankful for that. Next. Uh, Like your family, you know, this really comes with the territory. Cindy and I are in our 60s. Things are happening in our life. Our, you know, it's normal. So, you know, I realize that. And so what I would pray for or what I would ask you to do is pray for us that we stay focused on our mission there in Spain. Uh, we feel like God has placed us there. Uh, this church is growing. It needs to continue to grow and the disciples need to get, continue to grow personally, each one. But pray that we would be intent on proclaiming the gospel. I want to finish the race well. Cindy does too. We want to drive well. We don't want to just be coasting. We want to continue to put Christ first in our lives and honor the Lord, man. He's the king. And I'm a nobody. Next. Uh, Alcala de Henares, if you come there, is a, um, a city that's famous because it historically it has some things that are important. Like, next, uh, it's the birthplace of Miguel de Cervantes, if you know anything about literature. Uh, the greatest literary masterpiece 
in the Spanish language is Don Quixote, no? And so uh, he, the author of that, uh, was born in Alcalá de Henares. Next. And uh, there he is with uh, Sancho Panza sitting in front of the Casa Natal de, de uh, Miguel Cervantes, uh, where he was born, the house they say where he was born. Next. The Plaza de uh, Alcalá de Henares down there. We preach every Thursday or we go down and share our faith and pass out tracts there. But yeah, all of you women would like it with the flowers hanging down and all that stuff. But, you know, we're missionaries. We've been there for many years. We don't really pay attention to much of that stuff. You know, it's like going out here on your street. So uh, we try to be faithfully present Christ to those people. And it's a challenge. It always has been. Do any of you know how many, what percentage of Spanish people know Jesus Christ personally as Savior? Probably less than 1%. I said that back in the 1990s and before 1980s. It hasn't changed significantly. Very few people. Maybe a half of 1% in our city. City of 200,000 people, maybe 500, 600 people know the Lord and, and serve the Lord and pray. Like Ken was encouraging us today, how are you doing, church? Are you reading the Word every day? Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Are you trying to share His grace and mercy to others? Well, in our city of 200,000, very few people doing that because uh, I know most of the churches. Next. Uh, it's a beautiful, this is a picture of Main Street. Uh, it's uh, Calle Mayor, and it has uh, these pillars there. Just to give you an idea, some of those pillars are, were taken right out of the Roman ruins when they were there. <laughs> they just put them underneath those buildings because they were laying around, just like they do all over the world. Next. The University of Alcala, Contutense. Uh, it's a beautiful architectural masterpiece for that kind of, that era, anyway. And so at one time... Alcalá de Henares was a university city, pretty prestigious. And I've told you this before, that's where they translated the polyglot Bible. So to give you an idea, they had a lot of scholars hanging around there until some of them got to reading too much of the Bible in the original languages. And then that caused problems, and they had to flee. And they did flee all over Europe. Next, uh, we have a, a La Iglesia Magistral, where they teach guys how to be priests. If you know anything about Roman Catholicism in Spain... It is on the downward slide, and so the, the, a lot of the priests that they teach here are guys from South America and Africa because there's not too many Spanish fellows that, that are breaking that way, that want to be priests. Next. Uh, another picture. Next. Uh, oh, yeah, we have a lot of cigüeñas, uh, storks. Uh, uh, yeah, storks. And uh, anyway. There's a different, but if you come there, they think they bring good luck, but I think there's 300 of them sitting on tops of the building. You can imagine what that's like. Next, uh, Cindy and I live in number 40 right there, and you can see it. It's on the right hand of your screen. That little section, it's seven meters wide and seven meters deep, and then you go up or down, and it works out very well. It's called a chalet. Not everything is medieval and old in Alcalá de Henares. There's huge barrios now uh, like this, and we live there. And on Calle Ruben Darío. Next. Our co-workers, uh, go ahead. Uh, Miguel Angel and his wife, Rebecca. This is the guy that uh, we started working back in 2013. He was a student at the Bible Institute. I knew him from one class. And so we invited him to begin to meet with us and see if there would be any possibility of serving together. And he's a kid from Bejar by Salamanca. And... Uh, He's done very well, and uh, he's now finished his Master of Divinity, 
at Southwest, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Dallas-Fort Worth. I think he got close to a four-point working in another language, a smart guy. Uh, but uh, we've been working together now since then. He was gone a couple years studying that. But he and Rebecca, you pray for them. Uh, pray that God, just as he has been faithful in my life, he'd do the same for Miguel Angel. Uh, he would faithfully serve Jesus Christ. Christ would be the first in his life. Christ would have preeminence in everything he does. He's doing a good job right now. He does a lot of the preaching in the church. Uh, we've been trading off for the last few years 50-50. Right now he's doing all of it. Next, Cammy uh, has worked with us for many years. Next, uh, Adam and Emily, for a young couple from uh, North Carolina, have been a real blessing. Now, Cammy and as well as this couple, they work at a Christian school full-time, and with whatever time they have left over, they help us with the youth and other things in the church. Next. And then uh, Rose and Chris, uh, Chris and Rose Durier from Bellevue are now in Spain, and they're attending our church. And then finally, there's a young lady next uh, named Callie, and Callie is from Arkansas, and she's been helping Cindy with ESL classes. And Callie's a real blessing. She's a girl that feels like God wants her to serve him as a missionary. And so uh, these are sort of like our little team as well as some Spanish people too. Next, the church. Go ahead. Uh, As you'll remember, uh, Rick and Beth have been there, but it's out there on the front. We just put Centro Evangelico, Evangelical Center, because we try to do a lot of things there. It's just uh, 1,350 square feet. Uh, we use it for English classes and soccer matches and lots of things. Uh, but it's just a small little facility. But anyway, there it is. Next, we have three elders in our church now, Miguel Angel, Adam, and myself. Uh, they were appointed last year because I've been trying to, working with them for years now, and, and they've grown up and they're doing a good job. They both are good, good guys. Next. Uh, our job as elders is to give direction to the believers for living life in Christ and uh, being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And that's what we do at our church is always pushing, talking about Jesus Christ. Next, uh, Jorge Garcia has been an addition recently. Jorge was a policeman many years ago in Venezuela. If you know anything about Venezuela, Venezuela is a mess. It has been for many years and and and. He came and he was pastoring out on the Canary Islands. That didn't work out. He came to Madrid. And uh, he and his wife, Naldi, and a couple of their daughters have been attending their church. And he is one of the guys that leads one of the colloquios. After we preach on the morning service, then we discuss the sermon, much like probably you guys do, with a series of questions that have been prepared by the preacher. And uh, Jorge is one of the leaders. Next. As well as Adam. Next. And then uh, Marcos, Marcos uh, Garcia Till, from, uh, he would be from Catalonia with a name like Till. Uh, and so he is one of the leaders as well uh, doing that. Marcos is a guy we, in a sense, had a lot of problems and we've been working with the last few years. Uh, you know, pornography is a huge problem all over the world. And he was, he had a problem with that. And uh, we had to discipline him as a church. And... Uh, we followed the biblical example. We restored him because he responded correctly. He repented of his sin. And uh, so, you know, as you think of that guy, Marcos, man, I love him and I'd love to see him serving the Lord. He has attended a Bible Institute and graduated. He and his wife, Priscilla. Next. We have a youth group like you do. We have the kids like to do fun things. And so one day we were up 
in Batones de Arriba, and we took this picture, so it looks like we're up at somewhere high, but we're not really that high up. But anyway, there aren't too many high places. It's in the Sistema Central. Anyway, next. Uh, not many of you have visited our local, but we have little teeny rooms. But that, if you would have saw that picture a few years ago, there would have been three or four kids. Now it's teeming with kids. So it's a good problem to have. And some of those kids are from Ecuador, some of them from Peru, some of them from Colombia, some of them from Venezuela, some of them from Equatorial Guinea. Uh, so we've got a mixture of a, quite a few people there. Next. And the youth group meets for Bible study. Go ahead. And uh, this is one girl that uh, we are very thankful for, Nicole Martinez. Uh, she came with her family from Peru a while back, and, and uh, they'd had a big earthquake in their town in Pisco, and uh, their roof of their home fell on top of them. And they have the scars on their heads, all of them to show you. And they were just little kids, and their parents protected them. But their dad got a job in Spain through a lottery that was given in uh, Venezuela through Telepizza, a pizza company. And he got a job in Spain, and that family ended up seven years later coming to Spain. And one by one, they've come to know Christ as their Savior. Not real excited in the beginning about coming to church, but the Lord in his grace, his grace, you know, the, the gospel of grace. Man, he saved her. Now she's teaching Sunday school. Next, here with her sister Natalie. Next. Natalie is helping out with the little kids there next. And uh, we have some believers now from uh, Equatorial Guinea. The lady on your right, the tall one, Antonia, has cancer right now. So you can pray for her. Uh, She's doing well. But uh, we're praying for her. And then she's with a lady named Trinity, Trinidad. And so uh, next, Uh, just like your church is going to have, I suppose you're going to eat something today for the celebration. Uh, Believers all over the world like to eat, and so that's what they're doing here. And we have various people from several years ago. Discipleship, go ahead. Uh, Cindy's been working with these ladies for many, many years, and another one named uh, Rosaline. And she's not in the picture, but Rocio, the lady on the right, has come to know Christ. Paki, the lady in the center, Paquita, she still hasn't, I don't think she's felt the conviction of the Spirit of God, so pray for her. But Cindy faithfully meets with these ladies and teaches them the Bible, and uh, that has been a blessing. Next, she also meets with people like Asuncion or Marlene or uh, Araceli, other ladies, uh, helping them understand God's Word. Simple people. This lady happens to be from Peru, and we're helping her. Uh, She she desperately wants to be baptized, but we said, no, no, we're not going to baptize you. You don't know the Lord yet, okay? You just have to tell people like it is. She didn't know the Lord. She didn't. And so I said, first, you need to find out what it means to be a Christian. So Cindy's been faithfully meeting with her. Next. Uh, guys like I meet with several guys in the church, men in the church, guy like uh, Vicencio, uh, Enzo, the guy on my right, and then Marcos on my left. Uh, been meeting this last year. We've been studying a book by Gene Getz, an old one called The Measure of Man. Next. Uh, Jorge, also meet with him and encourage him he would love to be in the pastorate but it, unless god does something different i don't know how it's going to work out uh, next and then guys like fabio he's the only roman i really know uh only one guy from rome he was born close to there he's an italian guy that married a gal from ecuador 
And I've been meeting with him and discipling him. And so, Fabio, next. And then finally, this guy is a special guy. His name is Fernando. This is a terrible picture of Fernando. He looked, I think he's a little bit handsomer than that. Uh, but Fernando is a seventh dawn karate instructor. And he's a guy that I've been working with for years. And finally, his wife left him. She, they weren't married. They had two kids. And at that point, I intervened and said, hey, let's quit talking about English. Let's talk about your life. You need to get saved. You need to know God, man. And he was just moved. And since then, he reads the Bible all the time now. And every time we meet, we read the Bible. And he says, no, I come here to read the Bible. The English is secondary now. But he still hasn't bowed his knee and confessed Christ as the Lord and Savior. And I tell him about that. About every couple months, I remind him of that. Uh, pray for Fernando for his salvation. Before I leave this earth, I'd love to see him saved. Next, baptisms this last term. Uh, Kevin got baptized. Next. And Gianfranco. Uh, next. And Alejandra, his wife. Next. And uh, Natalie got baptized. Uh, you know, in our church, we don't baptize kids. We baptize probably, she's from a, her mother knows the Lord, but her dad doesn't. So I just say, the first time I'll consider is when you're 16 years of age, okay? And then you're, both of those parents need to be de acuerdo. They need to agree. That's just how I am. I've seen too many kids walk away from the faith. So I said, you know, your unsaved dad, Angel, has to agree too. Because they live with you. And I know you don't live in the church how you live at home, <laughs> And uh, so, Natalie, she finally got baptized, but both the parents said, yeah, yeah, she can do that. Okay, next. And finally, Nancy, uh, Nancy, Nancy de Methone. She had been, not been baptized. She would known the Lord for years, but she finally got baptized. Next. Uh, now, I want you, some of you who've been around in this church for many years, maybe you can remember pictures from years past. I can't see the date. Is this 2009? We have a few people there. Keep going. Next. And then this is 2011, next. And then 2014, a few more, but everybody likes to come to a party. We're having a picnic, you know. Some, a lot of those people don't know the Lord, next. And there's a few more heads there, next. And there you see in 2018, in January, all of a sudden there's a bigger group, next. And then you see every time there's just a few more people there. And this is taken in... Uh, last November. And so we can all stop and give thanks to God for his mercy and grace in these people's lives. God has been adding people to the church. Many times, some of these believers come from other places. Some of them get saved. And uh, Cindy and I continue to work with them, uh, trying to help them understand uh, God's grace and that they're sinners and they need to be rescued by the grace of God. But that church because your church has prayed. That's okay. You can go to the next one. Uh, they've been growing and, you know, God has been adding to our numbers. Instead of having just the missionaries, now we have a, and on any given Sunday, maybe 50 people show up. And if we're having a potluck, it'll be 60. Okay, because everybody likes to eat. Okay, next. And we're very thankful to God. Now we have little worship teams. Marcos is playing the piano there with Jorge and Michelle. Next. And... Uh, Adam and Emily lead another team with Michelle sometimes next. So we're very thankful for these developments. And Miguel Angel and I, we just preach God's word. We try to teach people the Bible. 
Uh, put Christ up there, you know, make him as clear as they can. And there's Miguel doing the same thing. He does a good job. Very thankful for him. Next. Um, yeah, these are some of the families. That's uh, Angel and Araceli and their kids. Pray for Angel. He still hasn't uh, bowed his knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Recently, I met with him one more time. I suppose in April, May, and maybe later, maybe June. And I asked him, I said, Angel, you know you're a sinner. You know you don't do things. You know you've violated God's laws. You've stepped across the line. You missed the mark. What would prevent you from giving your life to Jesus Christ? He said, nothing. But it's, it's a battle, you guys. There is an enemy of our souls that seeks to deceive us and cause us to believe a lie. And he still would not confess Christ. And wouldn't call upon the name of the Lord. And so I sat there and we sat there for a while. And so pray for him. Okay. Good guy, as good as any of us. He just needs to get saved. He needs to have an experience or believe what God says in his word. And so I keep working on him. Everybody else in his family has been saved. Next, people like uh, Fabio and Maribel here uh, getting married after many years of living together. So there we are. That's what ministry is about with the old Italian grandmother there. Gabriela, next. Uh, yeah, next. Yeah, we have different events, like uh, here's a guy giving a, a seminar on Trinity, next. Uh, their mother-daughter tea is a big event in our church. It's just like here. A pastor was saying women are such good theologians, or men, they're good Bible students, and they are. And so in our work, they, many more of them show up all the time, and that's one of our big needs is we need more men in our church next and just some pictures from different years next uh different groups of people we have family camp like you guys do next uh we have a valentine's banquet we try to do we try to stage events or activities so that people can invite their unsafe friends and uh we're finding out that we're not doing that good of a job of communicating that to the believers in the church because many times they just invite their relatives or People that already know the Lord or like that. So we're working on that next. And uh, here I am dedicating the parents, not Isaac, not the little baby Isaac there, but his parents to the Lord. So they'll be good parents. Uh, that's Marcos and Priscilla next. And uh, I help out a little bit at Bible Institute's teaching classes. This one, I was teaching a class on cults, on cults uh, down in Toledo. And we were talking about Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses and things like that. And so here's a class. And next, a class also in Cephalon. I continue to teach historical books just to help out the school. Uh, it's a class. No, I don't think too many other guys are desirous of teaching. Uh, next, uh, Cindy. Next. Cindy is always teaching children. And this is just so stereotypical of Cindy. She's always teaching. And she's a much better teacher than I am. And here she is. She's teaching kids about the Bible or teaching kids about English. But she always is teaching. And I thank God for her and for her influence. Sometimes she teaches me, too, over the last uh, 35 years of marriage. Yeah, I've learned a lot from her. Next, uh, children's events like this one, a Christmas party for Jesus Christ. Uh, next, I just got so many pictures now, I get so tired of looking at them. Here's Cindy teaching again. Next, uh, see? This is more of the same. Next. Uh, we have groups come every summer to help us put on a English camp for uh, five weekdays. And then after that, the next week of VBS. This is a group from Ohio. Next. 
and uh, small groups. If your church would be interested in sending a small group to help us in the first two weeks of July. Uh, Here's some boys that came and helped us from uh, a few years back. Next. Group from Oregon came most recently and uh, helped us, uh, one of which is our niece, Molly. And uh, there we are, downtown Alcala. Next. So if your church would be interested in that, you can do that. We do, here in the last few years, there's a red box ministry in downtown Madrid, and we've taken it out to Alcala. And my English friend there on the far, I guess it would be your left, Ken Barrett, uh, he heads that up. But uh, we try to talk to people. It's a very international ministry. We have a girl from France, Romania, a couple Americans, and a guy from England there. So uh, we're trying to... Once a week, we get together and testify to people that, hey, we believe in God, man. And we think he's the only God. And we try to encourage people to read their Bible and give out lots of tracts. And then we do open-air preaching there and uh, sharing our testimony. Next. Uh, we've, here in the last few years, we've been helping more and more people from Venezuela. Uh, Nelson and Mildred. Here are people from uh, Venezuela. And they were missionaries sent to... Equatorial Guinea or Senegal, I get mixed up. And uh, they served there, but then uh, all their support fell out. And now they came to Spain with the shirts on their backs. And so we've been helping them. They're now living in Gijon up north. Next. And we continue to meet with all our other friends that we've had for years, uh, trying to urge those guys to know the Lord and uh, put him first in their lives. So we will never give up on these guys even though sometimes I feel like it, but I won't. Next, uh, prayer requests. Pray for the salvation of uh, the extended family members of the believers in our church, like these men's names that I list here, Angel or Angel. Uh, Eiffel, just think of the Eiffel Tower, another man that's come into our orbit. Uh, Javier is another guy. He's a Spanish man, a banker. And his wife, Sabine, comes. Pray for his salvation. And then Diosdado and Jorge are two young men. They come from their Antonia sons. They come from Guinea, Equatorial. They desperately need to know the Lord. And so I think about them and pray for them. Godly men, pray that the Lord would raise up men. Give us men. And we would disciple them. And God would move in their hearts and make them new creatures in Christ. Uh, that's what we want to see. We want that. All, every, all, we want a bunch of men who really love the Lord. Like what you're doing now here. That's what we want. Really, we're just a stint, an extension of what you guys, we might not do it as well, or we might do it a little differently, but basically, we're trying, like Paul said, to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, complete. That's our goal. Uh, courage and boldness in evangelism for the members of our church and for our, us missionaries, too. We want to be a praying church. Pray that we all might grow to independence upon our Lord, and we would dedicate time to praying together and separately. Uh, for God's ministry amongst us. And then leadership transition, a huge thing for Miguel Angel, Michelangelo. Pray for him. You know, these are things we've been planning and praying for years now. Uh, at least five or six years we've been in this process. But our mission has not had a great track record in Spain. Twice they've turned over churches to pastors. And it's failed. Didn't work. Okay, one guy divorced his wife, and the other one became a homosexual. Okay? And so I'm just, you know, I'm, why would I think I'm the exception or we're the exception? So pray for Miguel Angel. Pray for 
that process. He's running well. We just want to see him continue. Next. And then pray for Cindy and I for spiritual vitality. The last few years have been stressful. Uh, It's not been easy. Uh, I won't go into all the details, but it's been difficult. And uh, pray that we would every day, like Ken said, (laughs) open that Bible and be present and say, Oh, God, speak to me. Help me to understand through the power of your Holy Spirit what you're trying to say to me and to be a a blessing to others around me. And then for leadership, they all look to us now. Um, the believers there in our church look to us for leadership, and, and they want us. You know, we need to be, Cindy and I want to lead by example. And then in our, in our teaching, we want to teach sound, sound doctrine. Man. And we want to be pointing in the right direction. So pray for us in that capacity. And then finally, for courage and boldness in evangelism. Uh, I want to take advantage. I'm a little bit older now, and maybe people will pay me a little bit more attention uh, as we talk to them very frankly about their need to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. The other day, well, a couple months ago when I was in downtown and I was up on the red box speaking, as I'm say, talking about sin and talking about how God will save men, there's some guy about my age walking by and he's going, nope, 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 nope. And so... Pray that we would have courage and graciousness and winsomeness. And even though people don't listen to us a lot on this issue uh, there in Spain, uh, we do want to win them to the Lord. And so pray for us. I'm going to ask Pastor Dave if he would come up now. Is there, is there any questions about Spain before I turn it over to him? Any questions about Spain? Besides their did they win the world championship in basketball? The United States finished fifth. It happened yesterday. Was the championship? Does anybody know? Okay. Come ahead. And I do have prayer cards out there on the table. And if you would like to get our email, by email, put your email on a list out there. And we do want you to pray for us. So if you put your name on that, please do be praying for us. But you can pick up one of these cards out on the table in the foyer.